Welcome to Foreman of Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, today we're working with a budget. Yes, we I can know do that. This is, we can do it, be, we can do it well. It's, we can do it well. <laughs> but it's awfully fun to like dive into foie gras and sweetbreads and truffles and mm-hmm. all of that drama. But that's not every day. And nope. that's not, you know, it's certainly aspirational and wonderful and delicious. But no, we're talking about like feeding the family, but doing it well. Exactly. And, you know, talking about something like a sweetbread, it takes, you know, you have to know what to do to work with a sweetbread. There are skills involved and experience involved. And with home cooking, once you start talking about things that are simple, there are quite a few basic things you can learn if you aren't uh, an experienced cook that can, you know, feed you and feed you well and, and make you happy. So it's a great, you know, starting with an expensive food is the best way to start cooking, to teach yourself how to cook, because you're not, in case you do mess it up, you're not throwing away a lot of money. I mean, that's yeah. how it works. Yeah, a $15 mistake and a, and an $80 mistake or have that's different scary. impact. It's a huge difference. It's like one of the first things I do when I bring a cook online from the Garmache station, which is the cold food station. Uh, once I come on the hotline, Um, the first thing I do is teach them how to toss food in a saute pan and I don't give them anything valuable to toss around while they're going to throw it all over the floor and all over the stove. I give them dried beans and the least expensive dried beans. So that's another good way for you to learn how to toss a pan with product in it to not have to grab a spoon or a tong or or anything you know it's 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 also one of the fun things (laughs) about cooking is tossing food in a pan. I mean if you ever saw that uh, wonderful Christmas movie, Christmas in Connecticut, where she tries to flip that pancake to impress the the editor of the magazine, and she, you know, hits the ceiling with it, I, it's not that hard to do that. You just have to practice. It's you are really, really, really going to make for some messy kitchens this Sunday. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I'll clean oh it up. Well, that's gosh. the other thing. It's not so bad to have some beans laying around. It's another issue to have soup laying around are on the floor, on the side of the stove, place, getting crunched on pancake batter getting... all over the stove. What do you? What do you? Th- what do <laughs> that you think they will thank me for. Work to? <laughs> Eight thousand beans that were being made into a bead necklace or something like that. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, no, it's, it's fun. I mean, even with like my daughters, just teaching them some, some of the very basic things that they can do. My eight-year-old is actually beginning to gain some knife skills, so it's kind of a cool... That's exciting. They're the things that she can cut, and they're the things that she's not quite hand-strong enough to cut. Sure, sure. But we, we practice on the... Uh, oh, you could buy a six-inch chef's knife, you know. You can buy a small chef's knife that's well, we uh, appropriate for her, too, so that's kind of cool. Do. And they have chef uniforms for children, which is fun, and aprons and things. One thing I would say for certain is that if you're teaching a kid knives that are not really, don't be scared of knives that are really sharp. Knives that are really sharp will not slip. It's the knives that slip that make mistakes that. Right. A dull knife is bad. Yeah, no question. All right, so what are we uh, going to do first? You want to do a soup, a stew? Well, let's start with. Should we talk stock? Sure. And that's the um, base of mo- that's the base of most any soup. Well, you, you you should always you should always have stock in your house. Um, it is the lifesaver of so many different dishes. Um, it is the lifesaver of 
uh, yeah, like last night when you brought me some because I was very, I've been very sick and with a stomach issue, not COVID, thank God. And, um, you know, I needed something to eat and I, I'm a chef. I should have stock in my refrigerator, but then again, I'm not home that often. Right. And I also don't have a family to feed, but boy, I, I was chagrined last night when, uh, you brought, you were kind enough to bring that to me. I'm like, yeah, here, here I am the chef and I don't have any, but to make a stock, that's um, the easiest that white it, it really stock is. is the easiest. Absolutely. You don't, at the, I'm not browning anything. There's nothing complicated there. Oh, you didn't brown. You didn't brown those wings before. Okay, Uh, it's funny. I looked at it again this morning. I'm like, well, it's got a little golden tone to it. It almost looks like you didn't brown the bones. It's just from reducing. Yeah, yeah. It's Um, just from reducing. Well, go ahead and tell your version because you're going to make it differently than I am. Not that different. That's 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 a pretty good size pot. That's probably, oh gosh, Um, I mean, mine is 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 a small commercial pot, Mm -hmm. so it's probably 24 quarts or something like that. And, uh, gallon and, and a half, and, and, and you're fi- you're filling it. Now, probably more than that. Then Pro- probably at least two gallons. I would say it's probably a two gallon pot, right? Um, you're you're filling it with water, probably eighty percent, ninety percent, and then it's two medium sized uh, yellow onions, uh, a, a big bunch. Of, you know, I don't get the giant carrots. Uh, get the sweetest ones that you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bunch of celery. Again, you, if the celery smells good, it's going to be good. Uh, those three things, get, getting a good quality ones in there is real important. And then I do, for that volume, two pounds of, of chicken, half bones and necks, and half chicken wings. Just to, that, honestly, just trying to get more protein into the, uh, into the stock if I, if I possibly can. And you're gonna uh, black peppercorns, toss some whole ones in there, a handful, um, two or three bay leaves. Okay, I'm gonna say like ten or twelve, just so they understand what a handful means. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, there's, I mean, for that's it. For, that's for mine, there's nothing else. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's and good. You, you don't salt anything. You no. Don't, you right. Know, that. Right. And uh, and you you get it going to a boil. And you bring it down, uh, bring it down so it just kind of bubbles along, uh, mm-hmm. sort of maybe reminds you of coffee percolating in one of the old pots. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's it. And then you, I mean, for me, that's a get it done in the morning, and you know, eight eight ten hours later, yeah, take which it is, off. Which is a long time to run a stock, but that's I do the same thing with timing. And we say one bubble bursting the surface, hitting the surface every second. So that's where you should be once you've come up to a boil and turned it down to a quiet simmer, which is hard to do on a home stove sometimes. So just run it as low as you can so that it's just very gently cooking. The only difference I have is that I would add veal bones if I had them, and I would brown the bones. That's the only difference. So carrot, celery, and onion, traditional mirepoix. I would point out that you add cold water to the to the pot, um, yeah, which allows absolutely. impurities and fat impurities uh, to rise to the top in the form of scum, which is dried blood from the bones, basically, and fat will rise to the top, uh, which you skim off throughout the, the time. Like your stock was, you, you said something about how clear it was. It was very clear and it had no fat on it, almost no fat on it at all. It had like a couple of drops of fat, literally like little yeah. droplets. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not chasing that. 
That's yeah, well, chef, I mean, in, in any school, they're going to tell you the enemy of a good stock is is fat, which keeps it from being having clarity. You, in school, in a traditional French kitchen, you always wanted your stock to be perfectly clear, which allows you to then clarify it to make consommé, which no stock is perfectly clear until you actually clarify it with egg whites and uh, meat protein and a little mirepoix. So, um, you know, we run a very different stock at work, which I'm not going to go into, but, um, and that's because we, we uh, actually emulsify the fat into our stock to make our reduction sauce, which is a very unusual approach. I don't know of any other kitchen that does it that way, uh, unless that person came out of my kitchen working for me. It, it's a very unusual approach. Your, re your real goal with stock is to allow the fat to rise to the top and to skim it off throughout the cooking process. No, you get you get amazing flavor. What I'm looking for is is richness and a pretty neutral flavor. Yeah, yeah. And that that for the sake of home cooking is is really helpful. So well, and the other thing too is for soups and pasta and sure, you know that that that's those are two things that I'm always wanting it for. Well, and also with a stock, I mean, you're at home. You can do whatever you want. You're not you're not responsible for feeding a guest that you say you're doing a chicken stock or a chicken-based sauce. Uh, you know, you can do whatever you want. And if you have some, if you love pork and you eat a lot of pork, you could brown your pork bones and add it to that and make stock. Or if you, you know, are a hunter and you brought home, uh, you know, some game birds, which would be totally unbelievable um you know and those are little bird those are little tiny bones they have almost no gelatin 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 uh refers to viscosity which means thickness in a sauce and gives you some bounce to your soup basically or bounce to a you, you'll see when you when you chill that stock if it's bouncy like like jello uh, which has gelatin in it um, then you have gelatin in your bones and you've created something with viscosity um that's that that little bird is not going to create any of that or very little of that. So it's always good if you do have bones like that, just go ahead and freeze them and then keep them for the time when you're going to make uh, chicken stock or chicken and veal stock and you can add that to it. And you're going to brown those and create wonderful flavor, uh, but you're not going to bring any viscosity. So that's fine. So just add it to something that does bring thickness. Yeah. If it's, um, if it's, if it's, if it's meat bones, that you, that you, whether it's beef or pork or, you know, or, or yeah. veal, those are all things, or lamb. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, the, lamb stock is amazing. Those are all things that you want to brown. I will tell um, you, I am to, to get all the flavor that you want. Right, I am extremely particular about my stock. I do not believe in using it as a food trash can. Um, oh, in that's any the worst way. Exactly. I, I've it, seen chefs, I've seen or heard of or watched a video. Not in my kitchen, but I've I've seen in in people. I, I haven't worked for very many people, so I, I haven't seen how a lot of other people work in real life. But I've seen other people like not peel their carrots before they add them or leave the ends on the carrots. I'm sorry. Have you ever looked at the end of a carrot? What do you think that stuff is on the end? Uh, that's the dirt. dirt from when it pushed itself up into the world. Okay, so yeah, I mean. You, you need to peel things. I've seen people throw the skin from an onion in there. I'm like, really, what? No. no um, that's, it's, and it's, I've seen it's, people got, yeah. put garlic in stock. I'm like, uh, what, no. What, what you want is a clean, pure, focused flavor. Exactly. Exactly. That, that, that is a great backdrop for anything else that you're going to do. A very simple thing. I think I was telling you this, that, that I will do with that particular white chicken stock is just season it, salt it, and then simmer for a while some maitake mushrooms or hand of the wood mushrooms and you don't need a lot yeah yum, yum. For, for a quarter stock you literally like you need one halfway decent sized mushroom not not that that very easily fits in the palm of your hand to get great flavor and and a little bit of spring onion 
and salt. And that's that's the whole ball game. And that that for, sounds so good for, to me. First thing in the morning for well, my taki has so much flavor. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it just takes on when the stock is good, it takes on that character, right? Strongly, you know. Sure. Yeah, that so, sounds like a wonderful breakfast to me. But that that's a that's crusty a crusty bread. Give it to me it, now. In the end, it's a it's a backdrop for other things, you know. Mm-hmm. That's whether it's a, a soup or with pasta. Um, what what's a soup that you like to make with stock, just for fun? Oh, I I love I love carrots, and you were talking about them, and gosh, it's so important to buy them with their tops on. You you hit the nail on the head about not buying the gigantic carrots at you know some yeah. you <laughs> know whatever horse carrots. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and that's what they are called, and there's a reason. Um, it's so buy wonderful, preferably local, if not local, green tops on them, looking you know bouncy when you pick it up if it's limp you, you've got a problem there that's an old carrot it also hasn't been handled correctly so you want a crisp sharp beautiful pretty colored fresh green top carrot and you can make a wonderful soup um, with carrots a little bit of uh, caramelized onions add in a little bit of maybe one or two pieces like when you use thyme and rosemary you use very very fresh very very little of it so maybe one piece of one stem of thyme and maybe a quarter of a piece of rosemary just to perfume it for a moment maybe just wave it kind of through the broth for a couple of minutes and then discard it Um, so you have a little bit of caramelized onion uh, slices of fresh carrot any kind of mushroom you talked you talked about mitakis they're fabulous button mushrooms which are easily ready to find saute a few of those brown them first add them to the liquid and um, you know drop in a couple pieces of either beans that you love and cook those for a little while that it, beans preferably that it, you've already cooked or you're adding something maybe that you had from dinner the night before add a couple of beans from a salad that you'd made um, and um, yeah you have a beautiful aromatic broth that has uh, you know, protein in it has a little bit, and you could always add a little bit of picked uh, chicken meat left over from dinner the night before. I mean, these are the things that can make a great meal that is different from something you've ever made before that your family's like, oh my gosh, you never made this before. And it's so much fun because you've utilized a little bit of this, this and that from dinner last night, and yet you've introduced these wonderful fresh vegetables and brought in fresh uh, fresh flavors to the dish by adding the fresh herbs. And then maybe drizzle a little bit of extra virgin olive oil right on top of that soup before you add uh, serve it, which gives it a little bit of richness and um, a, a, a sort of a golden, beautiful, bright, fruity extra virgin olive oil that will lift that broth. And you could also little little uh, little bit of grated reggiano um that could just be this wonderful little soup that everybody yeah again with a piece of crusty bread that you're just like oh this feels so good it tastes so good it makes me yeah. feel good it's happy my daughters love being able to dip that the, they'll eat the inside of the bread like a lot of kids will huh. but then the crusty stuff they'll <laughs> dip it in the soup and then eat that <laughs> that's awesome and that's the yeah that's that's the best yeah, I watched that bread. I had focaccia last night in that broth you gave me. And I mean, oh my gosh, it was, I was like a little kid. I, I, I'd take off a piece of focaccia, I'd tear it in half, and I'd let it sit in the broth and it would blow up with the, with the soup. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm so happy right now. Oh, I don't know, even know what to say. I feel like a new person. It, it is amazing, the gift of giving people food. Um, it's, it's just a, it's, it's an amazing gift. So. Give somebody something that you've made that you've made too much of. Well, when we come back on Formidable Phone Food and Wine, Cindy is now a new person. And we'll talk more about (laughs) (laughs) cooking food well on a budget 
on Formula Wolf on Food & Wine on WYPR. Welcome back to Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're working on a budget today, Cind. Yes, we are. It's fun, too. I love it. On top of everything else, uh, all the beautiful food that we make for people every day, we also have to feed 30, 40, 50 staff every day. Um, and that is done on a budget. So, so everyone's favorite day is the day that tacos are made. Oh, yes. And, and making tacos, I mean, for... In our house, uh, getting a whole chicken means three meals. It, okay. means, th- it means you have the breasts to make uh, a polo milanese, mm-hmm. you know, to, to pound them and to, to bread them and fry them in the pan and serve them with a big crunchy salad, to brown and braise the legs, uh, and then pull that meat and then season it really well and make taco meat with, with the legs. And then those bones all get frozen to be part of that stock. Mm-hmm. So you go through three chickens, and you get a big package of chicken wings, and you make your stock. There you go. I thought so, you meant at work. I do mean at work, but <laughs> but but it, but it applies at home. I mean that. Yeah, that's who great. doesn't like tacos? No, I mean well, and when when Everado makes our our tacos, and uh, you know he's from Mexico, of course, and. Uh, he, um, he is my chef de cuisine and the first time he made a a pork shoulder this way, he actually uses, we use a pork butt, which is the pork shoulder. It's, it's one of the best pork dishes I've ever had in my life. And it involves a tremendous amount of cumin, um, a lot of garlic, a lot of onions. And I can't say the terminology that I use when I saw him cook that pork the first time. Uh, because it would be swearing on the radio. This is, I'm yeah, like, this is public radio. You boil the, you be nice. the blank out of it, don't you? And I'm like, I've never seen anybody boil food uh, to braise it, which is what you need to do with a pork butt. And um, It'll this, never break down otherwise. No, he, he absolutely just boils it at high speed. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. And I start freaking out. And it's just absolutely absolutely incredible and he puts salt in from the beginning he does all the things that you would not normally do and um but yeah the the spices in there and the tremendous amount of onion and 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 a decent amount of garlic and uh yeah it's it's a little bit of hot peppers in there and um man those make the best tacos i i I can't even imagine no no real fat except for the fat that's in the pork that's true pork butt doesn't have that much so yeah that's true and um you know and then we always have fresh lime freshly chopped uh, kind of roughly chopped or leaves of cilantro uh, a little bit of red onion and um you know they'll make salsa verde or uh, a hot uh red salsa um whatever they feel like making and um those those salsas that's another thing that i had never experienced before i worked with uh uh uh, people from mexico um having that green sauce sauce like that um which of course is green tomatoes and uh, onions and uh they actually cook them on the stove for a period of time and water uh garlic garlic onion green green tomato salt and then 
add fresh jalapenos. Well, or they'll boil the jalapeno too, uh, and then add uh, cilantro to it in the blender. And oh my gosh! And we've had some hot peppers in house recently that I forget what they're called. Haban- not habanero. It's another. It's a red pepper. And um, my God, those things are hot. I mean, I mean, like literally a quarter of a teaspoon is enough to bring tears to your eyes. And it's so delicious. I mean, it's like this exquisite pain of eating these things. (laughs) It's just such a joy. And you're like, oh, God, this is so hot. And my mouth is burning. But yes, it's just fantastic. And of course, the tortillas are delicious. When you didn't want to do spicy food. Oh, you yeah. didn't like to eat spicy food at all. You'd love to bring up all the things I didn't I used to like. <laughs> I do. I remember these things. I mean, it's true. I mean, it's I as a child, and it's so well, weird. You, you're just very particular. That's all. I, well, I, you know, in the end, I am very particular, and not in a rude way or not in an uppity way. It's it's in the end. I realize now that when I was a kid, I didn't like it because it came out of a, ha- a can, you know, or it came out of the freezer. Yeah. I mean, give me fresh green beans, and I love them, okay? Or, you know, give me fresh English peas and I love them but man when my mom used to cook peas out of a can I couldn't eat those things so maybe if she'd have had fresh ones you know they weren't available then if they had been available she would have been believe me my mom was high into you know really wanted everything to be um high nutrition she wanted everything to be healthy for her family um and you know well you know how that evolved for me was you know cooking honestly working in a restaurant in Charleston, South Carolina, where the chefs were super talented and the food that I was working with and going to culinary school and tasting food that was incredible and, and, you know, executed beautifully and was, you know, this was years later from when I was a little girl. This was, you know, 15, 20 years later when food product was more readily available. It was a different world um, from, from 1966 or seven or eight or nine when I was three, four or five years old. Um, I went to culinary school in 1985 and um, it was a completely different food world and it's certainly a far different food world now. What we have available now is extraordinary. And to think that food is shipped through aircraft. I mean, I can get something from uh, England to tomorrow if I want it. That's unbelievable. I can get fresh Dover sole from England tomorrow. So that's, that's it. All right. Inexpensive food. My turn, Tony. Dover sole is not inexpensive. inexpensive. All right. So let's do a bean dish. Um, One of my favorite things to make are bean cakes. And that's a very satisfying dinner. And um, it's extremely inexpensive. And you can make, talk about your three chickens, you can make a whole bunch of different meals from a pot of beans. So of course you can make a soup that you love. Um, But I would start with making the beans in a way um, that you can make a bean cake. If you have a food processor, it's very helpful. If you don't, you can use a, a potato masher. So when I cook the beans, I cook them in a stock. Um, and again, if you don't eat bacon, don't make it this way. Make it with some, yes. Back up one second. Do you want yep. to talk about dealing with dried beans for a minute? Sure, sure. Uh, uh, if you buy a bag of dried black beans, um, one, see if there's some kind of date on there. Just because they're dried beans doesn't mean they can be five years old. Um, if there's not, just hope that you're in a place where you're buying a good product. Um, there are some very expensive beans that you could buy, um, but black black beans are you know great beans to work with. When you bring them bring them out of the package, you want to rinse them with cold water. They need to be washed off. Just pretend that a mouse ran through them at some point while they were being stored, and that will that will make you wash everything that you can possibly wash before you cook it because that's what I want you to do. Even if it's a zucchini out of the garden, if it's, or from the grocery that looks perfectly clean, just wash it before you 
handle it and start cutting it and put it on a cutting board and get your cutting board dirty. Um, so beans, um, rinse them in cold water. Then with, with a dried bean like that, that's of size, you need to soak them. Now you can easily soak them overnight, which is probably the easiest and best thing to do. So wash them off in cold water, drain them, and then put them in a, you know, a container with water about a couple of inches above the level, uh, maybe, maybe say six inches above the level of the bean. Keep an eye on it. If you see it's really absorbing it, add some more cold water. That's all good. You don't have to change it. Just, just, just add more water. Now the next day when you make your, go to make your broth that you're going to cook them in, um, I'm going to do bacon. So water, bacon, uh, a couple of aromatics, um, put a couple of bay leaves in there. Um, I like a little chili powder in with mine and a little bit of cayenne pepper. Um, so you're going to bring that water up. You're going to let the bacon flavor the water, maybe 30 to 30 minutes to an hour up to you. And then pull out the bay leaves, anything else you've added in, in the event that you did add a black peppercorn, get those strained out, um, and then uh, add your beans. Cook them until they're tender. And now drain your beans, but reserve the liquid because you can make soup with that liquid. You can eat that bacon. You could cut it into large, if it's, if it's like slab bacon like we use, which is going to be a piece. I cut my slab bacon pieces into 12 by 12 pieces, um, which I bring down to 6 by 6 for the soup pot. Um, I can cube that and cut that into big pieces and serve that for dinner. It's pork belly. It's smoked pork belly. Makes a great dinner. Uh, so you've got this broth, you cook your beans, they're ready to go. Take half of them and process them in the food processor until they're just breaking up. You don't want to puree them, but you want to break them up or you can use that masher. The other half leave whole and mix those together in a bowl. Add a little bit of a small dice of red onion or Spanish onion, whichever you prefer, or shallots, whichever you prefer. A little bit of finely chopped garlic, salt and pepper. Add a little bit of chopped green onion. I would cut it pretty fine. I wouldn't let it be in large pieces. Or you could use chives. And um, uh, a little bit of the liquid that you cook the beans in, if it, it's going to be a little dry, uh, the beans are going to be a little dry. So you could add a little bit of that liquid and then you bring it all together. If it feels like it'll form into a cake, you can add a little bit of breadcrumb to it. I use panko for this purpose, which will help to hold it together as well. Um, let's say if I was doing two cups of the beans, I'd probably add a tablespoon of breadcrumb and form it into a cake, saute it off in corn oil, finish it in the oven. Serve it with creme fraiche, a little bit of more fresh chives, maybe more green onion, maybe more red onion, a little cilantro, uh, jalapeno, um, anything you like. They are a great foundation for about a million things. Maybe that braised chicken you had the night before, you pull a couple pieces out and put that on top of it, or you had a pork chop the night before and you have a little bit of that left, slice it thin. I mean, that, uh, that could be a solid vegetarian main course. Or that, or that. If it, I mean, if it's, and a lot of times if it's not creme fraiche, uh, if you want even more protein in the dish, you know, a, a little Greek yogurt. I mean, for me, if if you make the bean cakes a little bit spicy, mm -hmm. you know, just a little shot of Tabasco in there, mm -hmm. and you mix, um, get them good and crispy, as you said, finish in the oven. And then for me, I love cilantro so much. Mm -hmm. So I would I would literally eat like a bird's nest worth of cilantro on a bean cake. Sounds good. With Greek yogurt, you know. So Tony, let's talk about some really amazing, affordable wines for all these wonderful things. Like, like, well, let's just start with the black bean cake since we just talked about it. What would you, what, what do you suggest for that? I mean, it depends on your taste for sure. I mean, that, the, the way I was thinking about eating it, I mean, that's a, that's a red wine, but not a heavy red wine. Um, mm -hmm. Really, entry-level Rioja from a good producer, 
Mm. Um, you know, just and not even a crianza, you know, just a, just a simple Rioja, young vintage, young Tempranillo, uh, bright, fresh, probably made in stainless steel or in cement. And uh, it's it, basically a crispy red, if that makes sense. Sounds good. Um, that, that kind of thing works. Um, in the same vein, Barbera, uh, if some of the areas that grow Barbera are pretty fancy and they're fancy treatments of it, uh, but if you go near Asti or in some of the other areas in Piemonte that are, that are less famous, uh, you can find Barbera that is uh, you know, under $10 a bottle in a store, maybe mm-hmm. 12 tops. That's great. Uh, from the monasteries that are good quality. And you're in good vintages. The only thing I'd watch out for is 18. Okay. Uh, but 17, 19, 20 are all strong vintages. And what about with the chicken tacos? Uh, that's, I mean. Beer. For a lot of the world, that's beer. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's, that's wine. And it's probably uh, rich and really bright. Uh I'm going to name something that might be the geekiest thing I've ever named on this program, which is a white Jurançon, which is from the Pyrenees, which okay. is great big bodied and really great spine of acidity that can handle the spice. Um, the other thing is drink something that's a little bit, that's a little bit sweet. And, okay. you know, that it's not, uh, it, it certainly works to one of the inexpensive Loire Valley Cremons. Uh, can work in that kind of situation. Or a Cremant de Limoux uh, from France. There's is also, it may sound odd, but um, out of a tank, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon from uh, Argentina, uh, Trepiche is the producer. And the last vintage we tasted of that was, I mean, single-digit retail. and And very tasty. Not big-bodied. How do you but, spell that? Uh, T-R-A-P-I-C-H-E. Mm-hmm. Trapiche. Argentina. Yum. Good. But yeah, that, that's, okay. that's what occurs with those. Soups are hard to match. You know, you need a pretty austere white to match a lot of soups unless they move in a much more stewy kind of direction. Something kind of steely. Yeah, firm and clean and, and pretty neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a simple Loire Valley, Anjou, um, something like that. Okay, sounds, sounds wonderful. So Oregon Pinot Blanc, maybe. It's nice that there are options that are inexpensive. It's just you have to know what you are looking at, I guess. Yeah, I think it's funny that the, the West Coast is completely random and can go from it's, – it's almost like all the New World. In South America as well, you have to choose well or have a vendor that you that you like to go to that chooses well for the more modest things. Um, but it, in, in Europe, there's, there's certain areas that you, you can rely on for some value, like Alsace, entry-level Alsace. The, the basement is very high there. Uh, the Côte de Rhone, when you're in good vintages, the basement is high there. Mm-hmm. So that's... And Rioja, the same. The, the basement is high. All right. So when we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine, Cindy, we, we're going to have to talk about pasta. Okay, I can't pasta wait. Pasta on a budget. Yes, that's can easy. can save you. That's easy. All of that and more on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine on WIPR.
Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're talking about food on a budget. And Cindy is being good natured about it. I'm very impressed. <laughs> She's like a new person. I am a new person. A new person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have not even mentioned sandwiches yet, but. <laughs> I mean, sandwiches with leftover stuff is amazing. Uh huh. I had a sandwich the other day. What? Yep. Yep. What happened? Who are you? Yeah, I know. It's changing. That's, it's a new uh, world. I'm a new crazy. person. It's a new world. <laughs> All right. So anyway, pasta. Yeah, let's let's talk pasta. You're the pasta so, master. Let's you go well, first. I mean that. It's funny. I always recall. Um, give a quick recipe that the mushroom pasta that you always made that your dad loved so much. Okay. That All was right. just, just that's an easy quickie. People can do that and. One, buying dried pasta, you can tell. It's funny, when you open the package, you can tell if things are freshly done, if mm-hmm. there's still like a little bit of flour on the outside of those guys. If The longer it's dried, the more like like bright yellow color they kind of become. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the very manufactured versions, watch out for those. I have a favorite, and it's not super cheap, but it's not crazy expensive. Rusticella d'Abruzzo is the producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you can get that at a couple of stores in the area. I know the Fresh Market is one of them. Okay. Uh, their their fusilli is amazing, 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 amazing. Okay. Um, yeah, they so use all these these old forms. Um, but there 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 there's several good producers. So all you need to make the mushroom it's a mushroom pasta. Uh, it's super simple, super easy to make. You just have to execute the button mushrooms correctly, which is what, what shape do you like? I li- well, back then, Daddy liked penne. He used to call it penny. And um, I love that pasta. And it was one of the first shapes, really, that was that came out um, back in the day. So um, I like anything like that. Uh, I love fusilli as well. I love rigatoni. Um, anything like that that will hold the sauce, uh, that's what you're looking for. You don't want a stuffed pasta, obviously, and you don't want an, an, a, a spaghetti-like pasta. You want something that's going to hold. Um, shells are good for this. Shells are actually really good for this. But I would say penne is actually my favorite. So you saute, you slice... Uh, you, you slice and chop, then chop the mushroom. First you wash them, um, and then you need to dry them. Uh, you do not allow them to absorb any more water than you need to because they're like sponges, so they will absorb a ton if you let them. But you have to clean them. So slice and chop, and then dry, and then let them uh, uh, saute in butter in a saute pan. Don't, don't do the mushrooms in the pot where you're making the sauce. Um, you need a, a wide-bottom pan to saute the mushrooms. Put the butter in, use unsalted butter, add the mushrooms, add a little bit of salt and pepper uh, right from the beginning, and begin sauteing them um, on pretty much on high heat unless your stove is like crazy hot or something but keep an eye on it um and you want them to caramelize to begin to brown Uh, so it takes about 15 minutes unfortunately so uh do it as fast as you can basically if you're on low heat it's going to take forever and then add cream salt a little bit adjust for salt and pepper and um and then uh, I add a little bit, and you don't have to add this at all, but I add a little bit of boiled Madeira to mine at the very end. So it's the mushrooms, the cream, salt and pepper, let it simmer for maybe 
five, 10 minutes, add, the, add some sort of alcohol if you like. I had cognac sometimes too, but when I was making it for my dad, I always added Madeira. He, he was a port lover, so I knew he would love Madeira. He likes a fortified wine, and he just likes that sort of caramelized intensity that comes from those uh, uh, products. And, um, and yeah, and then just toss it with the pasta. That's it. The biggest thing is cooking the mushrooms. No onion product. No, none, zero. Yeah, like I said, it's as simple as it could be. Yeah, no, that's that that's an that's an easy one to get done. It's not a big piece of money, and mm-hmm. and uh, it's funny with with kids that they, they've gotten better with the long noodles. They they used to struggle each one of them for a while with the long noodles. So those those sort of medium small shapes, you know, penne garganelli, that, that any of that kind of stuff, uh, the little half rigatoni, that sort of thing. So kids want tomato sauce. Mm-hmm. Right, so the the question is what what is the best way to get that done? Uh, the the very best way to get that done is to is to get romas or linguisas or or San Marzanos in the summer that are in season, and to put them up. And that's something it's an it's a an easy thing. You can see lots and lots of videos on how to process those and and to uh, put them up. It, barring that, just getting crushed tomatoes to, to make your own sauce. If you're buying sauce um, that's in a jar, you're going to deal with a l- probably more sodium than you want and, and a variety of preservatives. So that's just something to, to know, to realize. That's a good point. And, and when you make your own, even, even if you're just using canned crushed tomatoes, they're very good quality canned crushed tomatoes in the world. Um, you, can, you, you can color it in the direction that you want. Uh, that simplest i mean making it with a meat sauce whether it's for us it's often ground turkey because it's lean and it can develop good flavor so i'll brown the turkey off the ground turkey off in neutral oil and when it's just about brown uh, i'll begin to season it some salt and pepper uh, and whatever dry seasonings you want to add whether it's oregano uh, we always dry a lot of fresh basil in the summer. It's really perfumey. That's nice. Uh, a, a good bit of that. Uh, again, for us, the uh, fennel seeds, if you if you crush them, if you toast them a little bit uh, and, and crush them, they're, they're sort of amazing. You get a lot of perfume out of a small amount. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 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 is what's working with the meat. Right around then... If it's a, if let's say it's a pound package of ground turkey, right around then, uh, you'd want uh, probably two reasonable size sized cloves of garlic, and uh, about half a medium onion. Uh, both cut as small and neatly as you can. Uh, add those to the pan with the, and add and at that time I always add duck fat to the pan, hmm. which makes a giant difference as that meat finishes so many browning. Many people have that. No, but but it is, but it is very gettable. You're well, right. It would be great in there. So if you can get it, do it. Yeah, that's one of those things. Like I'll I'll make it with turkey, but I'm gonna add a little duck fat. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can do this. So we'll, we'll talk about a different way to finish it if you don't have that kind of thing. Um, and then as that begins to cook, I'll add some stock to it. Okay. Uh, probably you know a pint of stock or something I like that. I think that's super important. Yeah, it'll 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 help build a lot of flavor in that. So the crushed tomatoes then get added to that, 
And then once it's been working for a little while, uh, I'll add a little bit of red wine, honestly, whatever is open. And, uh, and then as it begins to reduce a little bit, adjust seasoning. It's probably at most a half hour project. If you want to simmer it a little bit longer to get more concentrated flavor, go for it. That's nice. But that, that does well, especially in like wider noodles like tagliatelle or fettuccine, uh, even pappardelle. Uh, doing that with, that with that sort of meat sauce can do very well. If you want to make it a little richer, a little fancier, Cindy's going to love this. Add a little bit of heavy cream and add some butter as you get. The cream you can add earlier and reduce it. The butter you'd add at the end to give it some polish. Yeah, I always add butter to my tomato sauce when I make pasta. I, I Sometimes quite a bit. And that's just, that's how I round out those sharp edges. You know, all that acidity needs a little bit of love. And that's what the butter does for it. Or cream, which is great. That sounds good, Tony. Yeah, no, that that it's an easy one. That mm-hmm. that's a a very easy meat sauce. That especially if you've got fresh tomatoes from the summer that you put up, man, oh man, that can oh, be that's special. A treat. Yeah, that's and then special. lots of lots of you know fresh torn basil and parmigiano mm-hmm. and and you have a spectacular, and extremely popular with my children kind of lunch. Good or dinner. The other kind of pasta that that <laughs> I think you can do well on a budget is it is a veggie pasta. Okay. And it is nice to, you talk about working beans in. I love to cook up chickpeas and work them in. And it's really kind of whatever is around or whatever is in season, mm-hmm. you, you can make a really nice saute uh, with the beans, with uh, nice carrots, golden beets. Uh, you can toss mushroom in there if you want it to, to color it in that Zucchini direction. Would be good. It doesn't take a lot of mushroom. Uh, onion, a little bit of garlic, always. Mm-hmm. And the the question then is, what direction do you want to take it? Do you want to season it a little heavier or not? Um, after those guys have sautéed a little bit, um, chicken stock that's more concentrated, maybe you brought that down with another pot on the side. Add that to that, just to, just enough to make sure that there's what looks like very uh, very little uh, water for very little stock for a very vegetable soup. Uh, and that's, you cook off your pasta. Make sure you salt your water well. And this can work well for a lot of shapes, but honestly, I love it for spaghetti. Yeah. And uh, and that also does well with the girls. You just have to cut things small enough with the veggies. Uh, Brussels sprouts are nice in there, uh, cut in the quarters. But I, of course, I'm thinking about winter vegetables. We're talking about this in the winter time. So yeah, there are so many options with pasta. And yeah. it's such a great utilizer. But that's, uh, you know, you get some protein and you can decide, uh, you know, cheese and, and uh, whatever else you want to do with it if you want to make it. And, and when it comes off the heat, uh, I would, extra virgin olive oil to finish that guy is real important. I've been making meatballs lately a lot for employee meal. And polpettine. Making- I, I love polpettine. Oh, I, lo- I love them. I mean, I don't, I'm sure I do nothing traditionally Italian with them. It's lean more a little bit more towards persian when i'm doing but i add it to pasta so there's so many different like little, there's so many different oh, versions well there's so many things you can do with them but i love ground lamb meatballs and oh, i've yeah. been doing it with saffron and chili powder a little bit of cayenne tabasco 
I do put a little bit of finely chopped, very finely chopped onion and shallot and a tiny bit of garlic in with it. Um, add a little bit of whole egg to the mixture, a couple, just a couple of spoons of breadcrumb. Helps to pull everything together. Um, we always say one egg per pound of meat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just meatballs. Oh, gosh. I mean, ground lamb, ground pork, ground chicken. Your ground turkey would make a, gra- a fun meatball if you're doing a lighter pasta, it, lighter sauce. It, it does. And that adds a nice, you know, protein element if you if you want it, need it in your dish. And um, it just feeds a lot of people so it, easily. It, usually in Italy, the, you know, the meatballs are there. They're an antipasti. You know, you would have that as like a, a, a rich first course. Okay. Before you have pasta. Oh, I like that. Yeah. How would they serve them? With anything um, or just meatballs on a... With, with a sauce or with uh, sometimes just with a broth too. Oh, nice. I mean, that okay. can be awfully good. The it, pork meatballs that you find in Pimonte, they always use a little bit of the pork liver mm. as well. It gives a little, a little punch to the flavor. You have, you have mm-hmm. to sear it off really good. Uh, before you add it into the, the, the grind. But, but yeah, you toss a little grappa in there and, and, uh, and work those guys. Grappa. Grappa is good for you. What are we drinking with this? Oh, yes. I mean, sure. yeah, <laughs> that's it. I mean, Sangiovese from good origin. Um, there is a, there's a producer in, um, in the south of Italy called uh, Di Maggio Norrante um, mm. that makes a Sangiovese that's probably like $10, $11 on a retail shelf that, that is super delicious. Um, some of the Sicilian reds that are punchy, uh, Nero Davola of, of any sort. If, you want, if, you, if you're used to West Coast wines and you want something that's like bigger, fatter, um, really sweet fruit, that works. You can also go to the West. I mean, it's mostly, frankly, Zinfandel is four Italian grapes, uh, Primitivo being the primary one, that have all adapted to California, and they are very close relatives. But Zinfandel, again, a very modest version. Uh, Petit Syrah, a very modest version. Uh, that same very inexpensive tank Cabernet from Trepice uh, can work in that kind of situation. Sometimes they're still modestly priced Rosso de Montalcinos, that can work with uh, those kinds of dishes. So those are the things I think of. One of the most interesting things about wine is finding things that are really great values. And looking in in those shelves in in a store, again, you you have to be in a store that you trust, that are earnestly trying to taste and find things that are excellent quality. I mean, that's what we always try to do. That is is the nature of the business. If you can trust somebody on the entry level, uh, then you can trust them as you go up the scale. So, and and there are particular places to really look. France gets a rap as being only expensive. That's not the case. Uh, you have to look in the right regions, for certain. Whether it's the Rhone Valley or the Languedoc, or all around the Southwest, a lot of those are excellent value wines. Uh, Alsace, excellent value wines on the entry level with really high quality. Uh, South America is definitely the Wild West. You'll find things of similar quality at $150 and at $15. So it, it's, it's, you better taste to know what the heck you're doing in those places. Yeah, that's good. Now, this is a fun subject. That's all we have time for. 
If you want to download this program or any one of our other podcasts, go to the WYPR website, wypr.org. Look for the Foreman Wolf page, and there's a big menu of goodies on there for you. If you want to correspond with us via email, foremanwolf at wypr.org. If you want to follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram as Chef Wolf. My Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. And thanks so much for listening. Happy Sunday.